Hello and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange, a series of conversations with the artists, labels and promoters who are shaping the electronic music landscape. My name's Ryan Keeling and I'm the editor at Resident Advisor. Valentino Barrisetta worked at Amnesia in Ibiza for a number of years. It was an experience he enjoyed, but the island's hedonistic and sometimes shallow lifestyle left him feeling unfulfilled. He'd long been interested in dance music's capacity to create social change, and he came up with an ambitious plan to start a non-profit organisation based on this very idea. Bridges for Music aimed to use music as a tool to bridge geographical and social gaps. They set up workshops in South African townships with globally famous DJs like Richie Horton and Luciano, and the events were warmly welcomed by the local communities. Now, with plans in the works for permanent music spaces in South Africa and beyond, we met with Barry Assessor in London to find out how he brought it all together. I understand you worked with Amnesia in Ibiza for many, many years. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I worked for four years in Ibiza. And yeah, it was an amazing experience. <laughs> and uh, could you explain your role and, uh, and kind of how that looked? Yeah, I was working as uh, the brand manager, uh, as I said, for four years. And yeah, I mean, you know, being in Ibiza, obviously, is an amazing way to make contacts, uh, to experience the industry at the maximum level. And it also kind of open, makes you open the eyes, you know, and, and see a lot of stuff that, you know, make, make you think in a way, you know, and, and where the industry is going, you know, and what you want to do with your time, you know. And Ibiza has a great, great things, you know, I love the island. But you also kind of see some uh, kind of meaningless things, you know, and, and things in the industry that actually were not the real reason why I started in this industry, you know. Okay. I started working in the industry, running my own record label and club in in Valencia, a club called Barraca, which is one of the oldest clubs in, in Spain. It's now, I think, uh, 65 years old. And where we had the pleasure of having, you know, the likes of Richie Horton, Luciano, uh, Laurent Garnier and all these guys. And that was actually the real reason why I started in the music industry, you know, my passion for music and being in touch with the crowd and with the people and bringing people together f through music. And obviously working in Amnesia for some time, it becomes pure business, you know, where you're focused on building the brand and selling tickets. And, you know, it becomes, yeah, more so half a pure business. So you say perhaps that things end up getting in the way of the music a little bit in, uh, in situations like Ibiza? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, like a club in Ibiza is an is a enormous business engine, you know, <laughs> and uh, when you work at some, some positions, you know, you, you might not even listen to an artist in the whole summer, you know, <laughs> like you're working in the office, uh, 
nine to nine, you know, probably 12 hours a day. Um, everything is last minute. Everybody, you know, we work with different promoters every day. You know, we are open for 20, 120 nights in a row. Um, and that's pretty exhausting, you know, at some, at some point you kind of forget why you are working in this industry. And what did your job entail exactly? Like basically everything around the, the brand. So basically I built the whole marketing department, which didn't exist when I arrived to the, to the club. Funny enough, you know, because everyone thinks Amnesia might be, uh, a huge club with a huge structure, but it isn't. And yeah, I basically built the whole marketing department from the PR department, online marketing, franchise, et cetera, et cetera. Like everything that had uh, something to do with the brand. All the partnerships, we developed partnerships with MTV, with BlackBerry, with Pioneer, with Native Instruments. Um, yeah, that was my role basically. So do you remember when you started to think that maybe it was time for a fresh challenge and you know maybe that the lifestyle had kind of run its course for you a little bit? Yeah, talking to other people in the industry and friends that I have met, have done throughout this journey, we kind of all had the same feeling and we were feeling um, that the industry has a great opportunity to give back and to and to bring a lot of positive impact to uh, to new territories where it's developing. And we also felt that there is a common trend in the industry where artists want to kind of give back, you know, and they, they are realizing the power they have in their hands, you know, and the strong engagement they have with their audiences. So talking to the guys that are actually now on our board, yeah, we decided to create this nonprofit platform that kind of gives a platform to the industry to gather all together and try to develop it in a responsible way. So it was almost like a um, direct uh, reaction to, to the Ibiza lifestyle in a way. Yeah, I think that was maybe the spark, you know. Uh, obviously, we all know what's going on in Ibiza, you know. And not only in Ibiza, you know, many places around the world. I mean, it's not only Ibiza. I think uh, whether you go to Vegas or you go to, even in London, you know, you can find places like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of show-off, there's a lot of VIP, there's a lot of you know, things that are actually totally the opposite as what music is supposed to do. You know, music should bring people together. And sometimes when you go to a club, music, no, not music, no, but it's dividing people in a way, you know. And, you know, I think you find it everywhere. So it's not only about Ibiza. So I'm interested to know, um, how did the idea start to come together? Like, what was the sort of early form of Bridges for Music? Well, traveling around the world, we, I was... You know, we, we all discovered how electronic music is arriving to every single corner of the world, you know, and even to underprivileged communities, whether you go to Brazil and you go to the favelas there and you see how small kids are starting to play electronic music. And obviously going to South Africa was the final spark, you know, because in the townships, as you know, we're good. House music is the biggest music genre. And you walk through the townships and you see how... Everyone is into deep house, you know, you hear deep house coming out of a hairdresser, of a cab, of a shack, you know, and, and you discover amazing talent trying to build their careers with no resources. And seeing how electronic music was arriving to these places made us also think, you know, the power electronic music is getting and an amazing opportunity we have working in the industry and having the contacts we have to actually do something good with it. Yeah. Do you have a long history with South Africa? Like, do you? When did you first visit the country? Uh, I visited the country for the first time five years ago, and actually, it was for a totally different reason. I mean, as a tourist, basically. And by then, I went into the townships because my girlfriend at that time she was uh, studying responsible tourism, 
and she was into slam tourism, you know, where it's, which is becoming very, very popular lately. There's a lot of tourism going into these areas and there's a big ethical discussion whether that's ethical or not, you know, like looking at poor people. Is it like a poverty safari or is it really a good opportunity to engage with those communities and leave something positive, you know, that's basically what, what you, she was researching. How do you feel about that issue? I think it's a definitely a great opportunity if it's done well. There are tour operators that bring tourists to the townships and don't share anything with the community, but there are others that are very responsible in actually creating a revenue stream for the community and creating a cultural exchange. You know, uh, it depends if you go there with your camera and are taking pictures to the small kids just to uh, show your friends overseas how cool you are going into a slum, then obviously it's nothing positive. But if you go there with the intention of really getting to know the real culture of the country and engaging with the people there, then it's definitely something good. And I wouldn't actually be doing what I'm doing now if I wouldn't have gone with a township tour into the townships. <laughs> yeah, sure. And this is something you said that you'd maybe done in other places. You'd kind of alluded to, mm -hmm. you know, you seeing things in Brazil and like other places. Yeah, 100%. Actually, when I went to Brazil, I went to the Rocinha favela in Rio de Janeiro. And I went, again, for the same reason, I wanted to discover the community and I went with a guide that was recommended because he was also very responsible. And going through the favela, I don't know how the conversation happened, but he told me he was running a DJ school. And I was like, really? Wow. Well, I work in the music industry. Uh, can you show me? Or yeah, well, I mean, it's very casual. You know, I teach the kids from from my living room at home. And and he was telling telling me how he was saving money for buying a new mixer. And, you know, I felt, wow, you know, that this guy is doing such an amazing work for the community and is struggling to buy a new mixer. And obviously when you work in, in, in Amnesia or in any club in Ibiza, you know, you get equipment sponsored by your sponsors, you know, and it just gets you a phone call, you know, and and the, and the brands want to have their products there. But I, I was sure that the, the brands like Pioneer or Native Instruments, any of these brands, you know, would like to give this guy some support, but they didn't know about him. And it's all about connections, you know, connections count. And that's where actually the name Bridges for Music came about, about finding these people that are in need of resources and connecting them with with the brands and, and the people that are able to help. And uh, how did you find the reaction in some of these places for you as an outsider showing an interest in like what these people were doing? Mm. I mean, was it, was it a largely positive reaction to your presence? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we felt so welcomed in the townships, you know, the people are so hungry of, of connecting, of learning. And that's a feeling that also, you know, Richie Horden, when he was there, you know, felt, I think everyone has felt very, very good. And our experience there has been only positive. Do you think there's maybe a case of misinformation in the wider world or there's a wider world perception about what it's like in these places? Do you think that there's been like a, you know, has it been sensationalized a little bit as to the dangers connected with these places? Or, you know, did your experiences there kind of differ from what your perception might have been mm. going into it? Totally, totally. I think it's a... Uh, misperception you know uh, and obviously I always I always tell the guys in South Africa that it's very important to to go into the townships you know and engage with these people and tell you know our friends overseas because people still think that people are shooting around in the townships you know and that it's very very dangerous even my mom you know she's like ah oh, but where are you going you know and, and she has been even to South Africa with me and she has seen how it is you know but the reality is that things are getting better and better. Obviously, there is there's still problems, you know, and uh, it's nothing that it's going to be solved in, in one generation. But 
I I would encourage everyone to to come to South Africa and, and experience it. <laughs> uh, so, what would you say were the kind of biggest challenges you faced in setting up the project? The biggest challenges are obviously as a non-profit organization, you know, covering our overhead, you know, overhead versus program is always the, the biggest challenge, you know, I think for everyone. Getting getting all the all the corporate support, also gathering, you know, and getting everyone together in South Africa. Although I have to say that the organization has been super embraced by everyone there, which is one of the key things of of having having uh, done what we've done so far. But I would say uh, funding is, is is the biggest challenge, you know, always because everything we do, you know, costs a lot of money, and people don't don't understand, you know, the work that is behind the scenes. You know, it's not only about putting or doing something with Richard in the townships. You know, there is a lot of costs around that that need to be covered, and obviously there is a lot of outcome out of that that is not really tangible in a way. You know, like one of the the biggest outcomes of having these guys in the townships running workshops is breaking down a lot of fears, you know, and, and bridging the gap between the city scene and the township scene, inspiring local talent, connecting them with the international audience, and bringing exposure to these areas, you know. And that's something very, very non-tangible. You know, it's very difficult to to value that. Yeah, because I guess in these areas that isn't really that fluidity of movement between the people, you know, the people from the inner city, they're not going out to the townships and kind of vice versa in a way. Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously everyone knows the, the story of South Africa, which is very, very special. And it's going to take a lot of time to change that. You know, like uh, black people live mostly in townships, although there's obviously a, a rising middle class among the black community. And there is still a big division between, you know, the white scene and the black scene. And it also happens in the music scene. And there are a lot of parties that are mostly for white audiences. And there are parties that are only for for black people, you know, in the townships. Like you will never or not never, but very rarely see white people dancing in the township to, you know, in, in, a, in a black party yeah. and vice versa. Then you have also the sidron scene, you know, which is purely white you know you will never ever see a, a black guy there you know <laughs> unless he's lost but <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, sure. but you know i have to say that you know local promoters are also now working towards cross-pollinating both scenes and and there are really nice results you know i have to say for example at the cape town uh, electronic music festival this year we saw a very very mixed audience even at the mad decent party you know um was really, 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 really mixed. And I don't know, I, I kind of see a, a change and, and that's very positive. And it's only going to make of the South African scene even bigger and, and better and more richer than, than it is now. Can you tell us about the ambassadors that you brought on board and perhaps why you mm -hmm. chose to work with them? Well, we we started the whole thing with Richie Orden. I mean, we have a, a friendship from, from the last 10 years, you know, since we uh, first started working together. And, and you know, when we sat down with him in Ibiza and we told him about this idea, you know, of creating a nonprofit platform and doing this tour with him in South Africa, he was uh, immediately down for it and, and very, very excited about coming down to South Africa. He was already planning to discover new territories that year. I mean, that was last year. And... And he's obviously the the, the perfect uh, artist to kick off this this type of organization, you know. For he's he's known to be a forward-thinking artist, but more than anything, I mean, he is an amazing human being, and and you know he has the heart in the right place, and and he's a very inspiring 
person as well, you know. So um, sitting in a township with black coffee and talking to to a mixed audience, but to a lot of black people that not necessarily knew who Richie Orton was, was a big challenge, you know. And and he did amazing. It was one of the most inspiring moments personally for me, but I think it was very inspiring also for everyone that was there. Uh, we also count with the support of Black Coffee locally, who also embraced the project and has been key in, in developing this organization as well. Uh, he's, as you might know, uh, you know, like a rock star in the townships and and he's a perfect example for the youth in South Africa. You know, um, he has his own foundation. He's very committed to developing, to develop the scene. And he's probably now the best ambassador for the South African music scene. You're also working with Luciano mm-hmm. Skrillex at this point, and is it Boys Noise? You've yeah. done something with Dixon. Yeah. So basically, after Rich, you know, like we we also sat down at the same time actually with Luciano, who also jumped on board immediately, and and we also have a long relationship with him, and yeah, and he again, you know, like Luciano is a is an amazing person. You know, he he has the heart in the right place too, and he has always been really interested in in this type of initiatives, you know. He he's now launching his own initiative called One One Con for Life. And he's supporting us. And you know, we are working together and developing new ideas. And yeah, I mean there's a lot of work that Luciano is doing behind the scenes that people don't know, you know. And and that those are the things that I think we want to also bring to light, you know, and and communicate. So do these guys kind of become long-term partners of yours? Is there like ambassadorship, like mm-hmm. over a long period of time or how, how is it working? Well, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, on paper, you know, yeah. there's things that happen organically. We are all friends. We have been working together for, for many years and we are in, in this because we, we love it and we, you know, we believe in it and it has to happen organically, you know, like everyone is very busy, everyone has their own commitments and, and stuff. And yes, we are doing, uh, developing new ideas and we are planning the future, but I cannot tell, you know, we have <laughs> any type of ambassadorship contract or whatever. So <laughs> it, it seemed as though um, even them as artists, they were kind of learning from the experience. I was um, really struck by the video you put out with Luciano where he mm. kind of said, Oh yeah, the most surprising thing was uh, Africa has its own electronic music, you know, yeah. with a look of genuine shock on his face. Yeah, yeah, totally. No, yeah, I mean, it, it is enriching for the local people, but it's very enriching for them as well. You know, like going into these communities is mind blowing for anyone that is passionate for electronic music. I mean, from the from the RA documentary that you put out, uh, you can see, you know, the, the, the amazing house music culture that exists in those areas, and that's something very special for the artists because they also see. The opportunity to give back through their core thing, you know, electronic music. It's not about going to a community that is um, that has a big problem with AIDS, you know, and and they can donate money. But here, actually, they can go and talk about music and inspire the youth through music because the people is really interested, genuinely interested in electronic music, which is is pretty amazing. How did that music go down? It was kind of interesting because obviously the the prevalent sound, as we were kind of discussing before we started, is very kind of vocal and soulful and percussive and then with someone like Richie Horton whose mm. sound is like something more towards techno mm. um how did that go across would you say well that was actually a very interesting moment you know i remember uh when rich was about to to play in soweto and one of the townships in johannesburg 
he was pretty nervous, you know, he was like saying, well, I don't know how the people's going to react to my sound, you know, and obviously he adapted very well, but he still played techno, you know, and the people danced and he was supposed to play for one hour and he ended up playing four hours. People went crazy, you know, and, and it was a very, very special moment. And I think because we all realized, and especially he realized, you know, the power of music to bring people together, although obviously he knows that better than anyone, but... But I think in that special scenario, seeing how black people were in one corner in the beginning of the party and then some white people that came from, from the city center were in, in another corner. And then after an hour, everyone was dancing together, you know, and listening to Richie Horton, <laughs> who, as you said, you know, is not maybe the closest sound to the usual township sound. But yeah, I mean, you know, the we always say the drums come from Africa and, and the people there, you know, know very well how to dance. Would you say it's a desire of yours to introduce people in places like South Africa to new sounds? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, as I said, you know, people in townships are so hungry and that's something that we discovered with, for example, with Skrillex. You know, I would, I would never ever think that dubstep is really a known sound in the townships. And actually we were very surprised how many people knew Skrillex and were super excited to having having him in, in their communities, you know. It was amazing. And since then we have seen a lot of young kids playing dubstep. You know, kids from Kayalicha, from Langa, from townships outside of Cape Town are now playing in dubstep parties in town. And that's that's amazing. And that's kind of the inspiration that he left behind kind of a ripple effect absolutely yeah so could you explain like what form the the workshops take and kind of what a bridges for music event looks like mm -hmm. well a workshop is basically it, it, it takes two hours three hours we usually have like a warm-up session where we have a local artist or one of our partners talking about music business or anything related with the music industry that kind of can inspire the the audience and then we have a two hours conversation with the artist usually together with a local opinion leader whether it was black coffee with richie for example or vinnie da vinci with luciano or nisker one with skrillex and we it's a two hours talk where we talk about the early years in their careers we try to show the challenges they had to face when they were trying to break through you know and trying to show the youngsters in these communities that you know, they were facing the same kind of challenges that they are, they are facing. Obviously, there are other challenges that the kids in the townships have to face, but it's very inspiring to see how a guy that, like Skrillex, for example, five years ago, he was working as a landlord in an office building in LA and, you know, now is one of the most, or one of the biggest artists in the world. And that is very inspiring for the kids there, you know, to see that it's actually possible. And then also we go into a more technical um part of the talk where we either speak about music production or we explain their DJing setup or something like that and and then we open the floor for questions and the local kids can are able to ask any questions and just engage and how would you say that they've gone so far overall uh, it's been very inspiring it's been very very inspiring as I said before like feeling how welcome we have felt in these areas how hungry the people are the smart questions they they have and you know, um, and and seeing how thankful they are also for for hosting these events in their communities. You know, uh, I think it's the first time this type of of events happen uh, there, and for them, there is, is, is they're very proud. You know, I mean, what's your perception of what opportunities for young people are like in the country at the moment? Is that the situation that's kind of improving in terms of employment, and mm -hmm. or you know, do people see music as maybe? something to to better themselves you know like a self-improvement type of situation 
I think the opportunities are massive. You know, like I, I just came now from Cape Town and I was talking to some of the guys that have been part of all our initiatives. And I was telling them, um, you have such an amazing scene here. Not only because the, the local market is huge, as I as I told you before uh, of the record, you know, like um, South Africa has its own market. I would even say they wouldn't need any international support to have their own opportunities. You know, like uh, the Black Coffees are selling thousands of copies, hard copies of their albums, you know, and they are getting lots of gigs every weekend across the country getting pretty decent fees, you know, and there are a lot of parties there. I read an article in, in a newspaper that said South Africa has the highest DJ per capita ratio in the world. And that says it all. <laughs> There's definitely a market. So the opportunities for the local people are enormous. But then if you add to that the international appeal, you know, of South Africa right now with black coffee traveling around the world, with international artists landing in South Africa and having a great time, and the vibrant, vibrant scene that exists now in Cape Town, for example, you know, like there's, there's no artist that doesn't love Cape Town uh, when they play there, you know, in Johannesburg, the same. The energy, um, I don't know, it's, it's, it's really cooking down there, you know, and I, I really think that's gonna, it's gonna take off and it's only gonna get better and bigger. Uh, do you feel as though South African artists will be traveling within the international market within kind of increasing frequency in the coming years? I mean, do you think that what they're doing will, will travel? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I think that we've seen it with Black Coffee, but it's going to happen more and more. And as soon as these guys are starting to travel, like Black Coffee is starting to travel, he's going he's gonna to align his sound a little bit more with the global trend, keeping the roots of the African sound. And that's going to make it so much more appealing, I think, even if it's already working very, very well. And that's something that's going to influence, you know, the younger generation of DJs in South Africa. And that's going to make the South African sound a bit more exportable. And and yeah, and definitely, I'm sure we're going to see more and more artists down there, you know, that they, they bring definitely something very, very fresh to the, to the music scene. Uh, so beyond the workshops and the events that you stage, is there kind of a sense that you want to put something more long-term down? Like what, what is the legacy yeah. of kind of what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, the workshops obviously are were, were very inspiring and, and it's something really, really positive, but it's a one-day event, you know, and that's the reason why we are now working on a music school that we want to build in, in Cape Town in one of the townships there called Langa. And that's kind of the legacy we want to leave behind on a daily basis, a space where the kids have access to the right resources to develop their skills, whether it's as a DJ or as a producer, but also around other things in the music industry, like graphic design, video editing, anything that is involved in the music industry that can, you know, make you earn a better life in a way. And this space is, um, so that's why we call them, you know, um, creative hubs more than just music schools. Because we want we want them to be a space where also the kids have uh, you know a space to have open conversations, keep out of trouble, out of the streets, and connect with each other. Because what it happens also in the townships is that local producers are very very separate. You know, like they are in their own bedroom studios, sometimes in informal settlements, sometimes in normal houses, but they don't really collaborate with each other because they don't have a space, a common space where they can just go and share ideas and collaborate with each other. So this space aims to become that space. And also from the architecture point of view, we want to bring a 
kind of a fresh air to the community and create an iconic building in in the township that becomes kind of more aspirational and yeah that's probably what keeps us busy right now so is this something that you've begun work on is it kind of like you know the funding secured and everything sort of heading mm. towards that yeah we um I mean, we are now, we have just locked down all this, the space and we locked down all the details of the project. We are working with a local architect to develop the whole project and we are starting to get funds in. Actually, we just got a donation from Skrillex label, from Tomorrowland, from Pioneer, from Ableton. And they are slowly starting to, you know, to contribute some money to make this happen. But obviously, we are still far away to reach the fundraising goal. And for that, we have some fundraising campaigns aligned for the future uh, with some of our ambassadors, which hopefully will, you know, help us to make this happen. What would those look like? Well, it's campaigns around crowdfunding. I mean, I cannot really uh, tell any, anything more right now, but we will, we're looking to launch something around September yeah, to basically engage with fans, you know, and artists and festivals and kind of raise money for creating these music hubs. So do you see this as being kind of a, what you've done in South Africa as being a transferable model? Like are there plans to go into other territories? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, South Africa has been the perfect test pilot. It's a perfect place to to develop everything, always learn a lot of things and then replicate it in other places as, as soon as we, you know, feel it's the moment and we're capable of uh, absorbing all that amount of work but there are there are amazing places in Africa you know that are definitely taking off um, I spent 10 days in Kenya some weeks ago and and you see how electronic music again you know is is arriving to to every single corner there and whether you walk through a slum in in Nairobi or you know if you go to any of the commercial clubs you know you see that electronic music or edm or however you want to call it is there you know and it's just it's just a matter of time that is gonna it's gonna explode yeah i mean do you feel as though the the connections are there still to be made i mean obviously we're living in a age where most people are online and everybody's posting music and mm -hmm. their music is certainly out there but do you feel like there maybe are these, um, you know, these lack of connections between um, these kind of amazing sounds that are emanating from these mm -hmm. emerging markets and maybe what's going on in Europe, for example. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think you mentioned internet and obviously internet is is the key of development. You know? I mean, that that's the reason why electronic music is arriving to this place because internet is slowly growing in these areas. And that's enabling uh, local artists to have access to anyone out there, you know, like even... For example, it's very funny how many township artists do know Tomorrowland, you know, because they all have seen the, the amazing videos or the, the viral videos they put out. And that's happening everywhere and slowly everywhere in Africa. And and yeah, and there is definitely still the time to come where, you know, local artists or local sounds are going to be discovered overseas, you know. And, and I think everyone in the industry is always hungry of new sounds and fresher ideas. And I think that's what these areas have to offer, you know, like really, really new, new ideas and and new sounds. And I, I remember being um, in Kibera, which is the, one of the biggest slums in Africa, in Nairobi, and walking through there, you know, you hear so many different sounds, you know, obviously there, I would say reggae is bigger than anything else. And I met a guy there that, 
gave me a CD and, you know, I, I didn't listen to it maybe for two or three weeks because I never had the time. I didn't have a CD room in my computer, blah, blah. And then suddenly one day I put it in the car and I was blown away. I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, this is so forward thinking. I mean, this is proper experimental electronic music. How the hell is this guy, you know, doing this, this music? You know, and I actually met this guy in a handcraft uh, shack where they were just selling small things to to the local community, not even to tourists. You know, and I was like, wow. He said, ah, we we put together this CD. You know, we are doing music on the side, and really we're doing this just to earn a life. But our passion is music, and wow, blew my mind. You know. So in terms of the, the the project on a kind of long-term basis, like what are your measures of success? Like how would you kind of reflect on what you've been doing five years from mm -hmm. now, for example, mm -hmm. and look back and say, okay, we were successful? Mm -hmm. Well, there are, as I said before, there are a lot of things that are not tangible, you know, that mm -hmm. are very, very difficult, difficult to measure. But I understand, you know, like that's a, a common question to nonprofit organizations. How are you going to track success or how are you going to, you know, evaluate yourself? And I I think from one side, seeing how many people is coming out of the townships and is making it on an international level, how many people actually has earned a better life in the townships through our initiatives or our programming on the ground. We're running also a scholarship program with SAE and with some other educational partners where we offer the opportunity to guys from underprivileged areas to study at SAE Cape Town and then also SAE on an international level. And, you know, seeing how many people is going through that program and, and seeing how many people is kind of developing their skills and, you know, getting more educated, I think that's a good way to measure success, you know. And obviously if we, if, if we have, I don't know, 10 black coffees in the future, traveling all over the world and then going back to their communities and inspiring the local kids, you know, and, and staying committed to their communities, that would be an amazing success. But also, you know, seeing how we develop these music schools and how this, uh, this, this space has become a nest for young creative minds to flourish, you know, that, that is also a way to, to measure success. Whether they become professional DJs or not, or successful producers, you know, I think, uh, the fact of having a space like this during your teenage and having a space where you can kind of be safe of the usual problems of a township and yeah, share ideas, you know, and have open conversations is already something very, very positive for the community. Have you met with any kind of like negativity or resistance in setting up the project? I mean, I'd, I'd recalled when we'd announced the project that maybe a couple of people were probably South Africans were saying that they felt somehow it was like patronizing in a way like, oh, do we need help? Like we're a smaller country or something. Mm -hmm. Have you encountered that much and kind of what would you say to those people? Yeah, I mean, we have found some 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 challenges yeah and you know like people in the townships sometimes they they're kind of waiting that you go and knock on the doors you know whether you know like by going there and doing the works that we've been doing you know anyone that is genuinely interested in moving forward should come to the workshops you know and and kind of engage with us because we cannot obviously not go to every single house, you know, and knock on the door and say, Hey, are you a producer? Come and join us, you know? So I think there is, I think that mentality should change with time. And actually this, this is a comment that comes from, from an artist that works with us from the townships. He told us this, this the other day, you know, he, he has to tell some of his, 
uh, like music colleagues in the township to come and engage with us, you know, because they think that we should go and engage with them, you know. It's like a, a proactive attitude, you know, mm -hmm. that I think they should they should take instead of waiting for us. Yeah, I mean, it's part of what you're doing, kind of building trust in a way. Mm, totally, yeah, totally. Like, obviously, when, when you arrive to a place like this, you know, people... People have been promised so many things in these areas, you know, that never happened, starting with the politicians, you know, and with lots of other people. Um, that I think, you know, building trust is definitely a challenge uh, for anyone that wants to do something there, but it's fair enough, you know. I, I also understand it. I don't blame them for that, you know. And we have to build that trust by delivering, delivering real opportunities, uh, making things happen, and and, you know, showing them that, uh, we can kind of, yes, help them develop their careers. That's it. And in terms of opportunities, like um, how might that look for, for people who are kind of coming through your doors? Well, for example, very recently, we um, we locked down a partnership with Glastonbury where they're going to offer slots to artists from these underprivileged communities. So we're going to have two guys traveling outside of, of their own townships in South Africa to Glastonbury uh, traveling out of the country for the first time and living a life-changing experience so that's already a great opportunity um, we are having the same time of partnership with Tomorrowland as well and yeah and as long as we can scale up these opportunities you know it's going to be amazing for South African talent